Well, good morning again, and welcome to Bridgewater. If you are visiting here for the first time or the second time, we are so glad that you are here this morning. By show of hands, how many of you would say that you enjoy flying? Flying in airplanes. All right. So in uh, February 2019, my Aunt Jan in Connecticut passed away, and I flew from Grand Rapids, Michigan, to Hartford, Connecticut for the funeral and on my way back, I was flying back to Grand Rapids, and uh, a Delta employee asked me if I'd be willing to check my carry-on. He said, there's not a whole lot of room in the overhead compartment. And I thought, sure, if I don't have to lug this thing onto that airplane and try to shove it into that small space, knock yourself out. So I took my winter jacket off, and I shoved it in my bag, happily gave it to them. And they said, hey, it's going to be at your destination. You can pick it up at baggage claim. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I get on the plane, and I connect through Detroit. I get off my flight at Detroit, and I'm looking for the flight information to Grand Rapids, and I find out that my flight has been canceled. And so I am literally two and a half hours away from my destination. I know where I want to be. I know where I want to go, and I am stuck. I can't go anywhere. It is late at night. And uh, Delta makes some arrangements for me to stay in one of their hotels, and they give me some really nice meal vouchers. And I'm thinking, I don't want your stinking meal vouchers. I want to go home and eat leftovers with my family. I know where I want to go, and I want to be there. And I just felt like I was in this holding pattern. I wanted to be somewhere else. And I wonder, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you were in a holding pattern where you couldn't change your circumstances, you couldn't change your situations, you knew where you wanted to be, but for some reason, you just couldn't get there? And as I talk to singles, or I talk to people who are single again, and I talk to them about God and their future and their purpose, a lot of them feel like they're in this holding pattern they're waiting for something. They're waiting for what's next. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And some of you, you are here and you are single or you are single again. And you're just kind of like, hey, if I get married sometime, that's fine. If God wants to bring me a spouse and I get married sometime, no big deal. And some of you are here and you are single and you're like, I really want to get married sometime this afternoon. You were just eager to get married. And I feel like ladies sense this differently than guys. You see, ladies, sometimes they're single and they feel like, what is wrong with me? And guys, they're single and they're like, what is wrong with these ladies? Like, I'm this incredible gift. And everybody looks at and they view singleness differently. And the question is, what if your singleness is not a holding pattern? What if it's actually a trajectory? And what if God has you in this place, in that circumstance, for a reason? And maybe you're here and, and you're married and you're thinking, hey, Tim, I don't know if this is really for me. Can I just leave? And I want to tell you, this is for married people and single people. Because if you're married, if you're like me, chances are maybe one day your spouse or you may die and you will be single again. 
I'm sorry to tell you that news, but the chances of you both dying at the same time are pretty slim. And so I also want to let you know that we are a body of Christ. And so as one person goes through something, we all are going through that. It's just like when you wake up in the morning and you accidentally step on a Lego or you stub your toe, your whole body feels that. And so even as married people, we need to have a Christ-centered perspective on singleness so that we can be a help. So what is the purpose of, of singleness? What is the goal of singleness? Well, grab your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Today we are starting a new series called Relationship Goals. What is your goal in singleness? Is singleness a holding pattern? Is it a waiting room for marriage? Is it a place where you just stay until you go to something more significant or better? What is that purpose of singleness? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if you don't have a Bible, we have the text on the screen behind me. We're going to start reading in verse 25. Here's what Paul says. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy because of the present crisis. I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. So there's the question. Should you get married? And Paul is saying that there is a, this is really just godly, trusted advice. It's like you're sitting across the table at Starbucks from Paul, and you're like, hey, Paul, I know that you were used to plant churches, and God used you to write the Bible. Download some information on me about singleness. Help me understand this. And he's saying, look, it's not a command to do this or not to do this. I'm just giving you godly advice that happens to be inspired by God, and this is what he says. He says, because of the present crisis, meaning there is something going on in the background. And as I looked at commentators, many of them believe that there, are, there were several famines that were happening in this time period that were affecting southern Greece where Corinth is located. And so it's likely that there are these, these famines going on, it's a shortage of food, and all of that is kind of swirling around that could be causing some unsettledness, some economic stress and pressure, or maybe even riots, but there's a, a shortage of food. At least that's what many people believe to be happening. What Paul is saying is this present crisis, whatever it is, colors everything he's about to say. He says, because there is some difficulty going on here, it might not be wise to get married. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. But you ought to be thinking about it. Notice Paul says he should remain as he is. You should make the most of your current status. Make the most of your current situation, whether you are married, single, single again, divorced, 
widowed, whatever your current situation is, lean into that and make the most of your current situation. Paul says, don't get married because wait until this crisis is over. It might actually be wiser to wait. And so this message is for single people, but it's also for married people. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, you know what? It's been a long time since I've been single. I don't know if I have a really good read on what it's like. And so I reached out to some of my single friends, some of them younger, some of them older than me. I said, hey, what are some unhelpful things that married people or people in general have said to you because you're single? And it was really interesting, some of the things that they said. Listen to this. I don't know if you've ever said this to a single person. But one of the things that, that came up is, you have time. You have time. Like, like, you have no life. You have so much time because you are single. As if to say, marriage and family, those priorities trump everything else. And because you're single, you just have loads and loads of time. Another person said, well, as soon as, as soon as you're satisfied with God alone, he will bring someone special. As if married people have reached this plateau and all of a sudden, hey, we've arrived, so God has blessed us. Another person said, something, someone said this to them, before you can marry someone wonderful, God has to make you someone wonderful. Hey, if you're single, you just need to become more wonderful because all of us married people are just so wonderful, aren't we? Another comment came in. They said, don't worry. When I stopped looking for a man, that's when God brought my husband into my life. Just stop looking, and God will bring the right person into your life. Someone else made a comment. You know, by this time, I was your age. I already had two kids. Wow. Well, congratulations. Another person said, a man won't want to marry you if you can't cook or bake. Wow. Okay, ladies, if that is the guy, he doesn't want a wife. He's looking for a mom, okay? I don't think our wisdom is always helpful or kind to singles. Another one said, someone told me, hey, are you putting yourself out there? As if we want our single people out on the side of the road spinning a sign with their phone number saying, look at me, I'm available, text me. Another person said, when I turned 30, one lady point blank asked me if I was going to give up my search for a husband. Little did she know that I wasn't even searching. As married people, we should not assume that everybody is single because they're shy or because they have difficulty meeting people, or that they are interested in being married. It's not our job to play matchmaker or to, quote, fix them. So as married people, we need to hear what God's word says about singleness just as much as the single person, because we need to be able to walk alongside them and give them helpful counsel. Not everything you say to a single person is helpful or kind. But here's what Paul says in verse 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you of this. By the way, that's true of famine or no famine, isn't it, married people? There are a lot of difficulties 
marriage brings a lot of different challenges into your life. And so if you're single and you're thinking, I'm just going to get married and everything is going to be amazing, it will, but it comes with challenges. And I'm not very good at math, but just, just do the math real quick, okay? One person with their sin and their issues and their problems and all of their weird relatives plus another single person and their issues and their sin and their problems and their weird relatives and all their goofiness doesn't equal bliss. You have two people with all of their sins and all of their problems and all of their issues and all of their weird relatives and all that mixed in. I'm not saying marriage is bad. Marriage is incredible. I've been married for 15 years in July, and it has been an amazing journey. It is a blessing. But if you're single and you think, hey, I'm lonely, and I'm just going to get married, and this will fix this, or I'm, I'm struggling with these temptations, and I'm going to get married, and it's going to get fixed, Paul says, look, marriage comes with some challenges. It comes with a different level of responsibility. It's not better or worse it's just different. And the word trouble is the idea of being pressed together. You have two people being pressed together, under pressure together. And so if you're single and you're not content, you're likely not going to be content as a married person. It comes with a different set of responsibilities. It comes with a different set of challenges. And Paul is very careful to say that marriage is a good thing but it brings its own set of troubles. Singleness is not a halfway house before marriage. It's a destination for godliness. It's not a holding pattern. It's not a halfway house. God uses that as your trajectory to form you and mold you into the person that he wants you to be. And so marriage, it's, it's like a lot of choices. You have a lot of freedom and flexibility. Just like what car you buy. You want to buy a red car or a blue car. It's not necessarily sinful. It's not a right or wrong. It's just the freedom you have. Where you live. If you want to live up in Canada, eh? Or live all the way down in Florida, that's a choice you can make. You have that freedom. Same thing with where you work, what you do for a living. You want to be a chef or you want to drive a truck or you want to be a police officer. You have that freedom. The same with marriage. Nobody has to get married. But it might be a decision based on wisdom or based on your circumstances. And it might just be a time where, hey, right now I'm going to be single and that's okay. And so this is completely contrary to what the world says. The world says something completely different about singleness. To be single biblically is to be unmarried. It means to be sexually celibate. The world has two words to describe this, unhappy and impossible, and both are lies. Both are untrue. And so first, singleness doesn't equal unhappiness. This is just instructions that Paul is giving to the readers He's saying, if you want to be married, that's okay. But if you want to stay single, that's okay. And the present crisis is coloring all of this advice here. And skip down to verse 39. 
He says, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. So if you're single or you're single again and you're looking to get married, you ought to be dating someone who belongs to Christ. If you are dating someone or you're looking to get married or you, you're thinking about getting married, or that's the advice you want to give to a single person, find someone who loves and follows Jesus. Jesus says, don't be unequally yoked. It's the picture of, of two animals being attached by a yoke to plow a field or to do some kind of work. You can attach a cow and a giraffe to that yoke and it will look great and it might work for a little bit, but they are going to work at a different pace. They're gonna pull in different directions. It's not going to function well. And so Paul says, hey, if you're single, you're thinking about dating, you're thinking about getting married, Look for someone who loves and follows Jesus. They need to be a follower of Jesus. So here's the first point. Your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. And so don't think about where you are as a holding place or where you are as a halfway house, but just lean into your current situation and focus on following Christ are you following Jesus? Are you looking? Are you surrounding yourself with people who love and follow Jesus? Because that is more important than updating your relational status. But listen to what Paul says in verse 29. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. And those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For the, this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. Notice that repetition of the word, of the phrase, as if, as if. This life is temporary. And Paul says, life is short, so if you're single or single again or you're married, whatever your status is, recognize that this life, whether you live for 80 years, 90 years, 100, 115 years, in the grand scheme of things, compared to eternity, your life and my life is short. James says our lives are like a mist. It's here and then it's gone. Live as if your life really is short. And think about, my life is temporary. So what I do with the world, what I do with my relationships, what I do with my possessions, what I pursue, what I choose not to pursue, live my life in light of eternity. And so if you're here and you're single or you're single again, 
Remember that. Live your life in light of eternity. But even if you're married, live your life fully devoted to God, knowing this world is passing away. Paul's not down on marriage. He's saying, just live your life in light of everything that is going to be passing away. Verse 29 is interesting because he says, live as if you don't even have a wife. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. He's not saying that husbands, you should like shirk your responsibilities and go home and watch Dodger baseball all afternoon or football or just like sit on the couch. What he's saying is live as though this world is passing away. How would you live your life tomorrow if you knew you only had one more year to live? What would you spend your time on? What would you spend your money on? Who would you spend your time with? Life is short, so live for eternity. So he says, Life is, is passing away. So what does that change about what you think about? What does that change about how you spend your money? And then in verse 32, he says, he uses the word concerned. That's the idea of being free from care. Marriage can distract you from serving God. That as a married person, there are some things that I have responsibilities for with my wife and my kids that a single person doesn't. I mean, when I was single, my grocery budget was $40 a month. I'm not joking. I lived on rice and beans and ramen and peanut butter and, and eggs. Like, I was living on a tight budget. And when I married Shana, my quality of life increased tremendously. And so did our grocery budget. Now we shop at Aldi, and, and we buy, like, fruits and vegetables. I, mean, I didn't even know what those things were. She saved me. And my life has, my quality and my taste and my eating has, has increased, and so has our budget. And that's just food. We're not talking about uh, clothes for kids or toys or makeup or hair products. Not hair product for me, but makeup. And Shane is extremely beautiful. She doesn't even need makeup, but we spend a lot of money on a lot of different things that I didn't spend any money on as a single person. And what Paul is saying is your time, your energy, your resources, they're all divided. And as a single person, you have an opportunity to live undistracted for Jesus without concern. Paul's not down on marriage. He says marriage is good, but it comes with some additional challenges. I know some single guys. I know one guy in particular, he's engaged, and, and he used to live in, in a house with a, with a roommate. And in the middle of winter, he would keep the temperature at like 50 degrees. Like, okay, guys, girls aren't into that. They want to live in a house and an apartment with heat that is on. Your tent is not furniture. And your REI sleeping bag with 20 degree, 20 degree below ratings is not something that impresses her. She wants art on the wall. And she wants candles. 
marriage comes with a different set of challenges and responsibilities. And so here's the next point. Live like a traveler, not a settler. That you and I, we are simply passing through this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we don't belong to this world. We are simply living and passing through. We're travelers. So what does that look like? What does that change for how you spend your money, how you change and spend your time, and how you view possessions and how you view relationships? This is not our home. If you've put your faith in Christ, your citizenship is with him It's in heaven. And I want to let you know, if you're single or single again, you're not a second-class citizen. You're not on the JV team. And this is not a holding place for you. You're not in a halfway house. But God is using it as a trajectory to make you more like Jesus. So live like a traveler, not a settler. Here are five things I want to share with you. Number one, do I have the gift of singleness? You might be here, you might be single or single again, and you might have that gift. If that's you, you don't have to listen to the rest of what I'm going to say. But if that's not you, number two, is now the right time to get married? Is now the right time, based on my current situation, maybe my maturity or where I am spiritually or what's happening in my life, is now the right time to support a family and get married. Number three, can you see yourself with him or her for the rest of your life? That's the intent. That's the goal. That's the purpose of marriage is that two people would come together and they would be married. They would stay together until one of them or both of them dies. And so that's an important question to wrestle with. Marriage is for as long as you live. Number four, Does he or she belong to the Lord? Are you pursuing someone? Are you in a relationship with someone? Are you dating someone who loves and follows Jesus? Is he or is she pursuing Jesus? Number five, will marriage help me or hold me back in my pursuit of Jesus? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you pursue Jesus better? Or are you in a relationship with someone who is not helping you at all? They're pulling and dragging you down. These are some questions that as a single person, you should be wrestling with. As a married person, these are some of the questions I want to ask that single person. So, Wherever you are in your relationships, lean into that. Lean into your singleness. It's not a holding pattern. It's more like a trajectory that God is going to use to shape you and mold you to become more like Christ. A lot of singles see this passage and they say, look, singleness is good. Yeah, but if you're living in your mom's basement playing video games, wasting time, you are selfish. Lean into that singleness and serve God and serve others. Look for opportunities. Make sure you're in a small group. 
And it doesn't have to be a small group with other people at the same stage of life. You know, you can surround yourself with people who are older than you and younger than you, and God can use those relationships to help you grow. Be a part of a group. Be a part of people. Be a part of this community who know you and love you and want to impart wisdom and advice and wise counsel. And it's okay to learn to cook and bake, but not necessarily to find a spouse. That's a, just a helpful skill, okay? You can use that skill to serve people. You can use that skill to bring a meal over to a married couple or a married family's house and just say, hey, I just want to be a blessing to you. And so if you're using your singleness for yourself and you're wasting time, that is selfish. Lean into it. Use it to serve God and serve others. But if you're dealing with some baggage and, and you're just waiting, to find some godly people to help you sort through some of those issues. But for both of us, no matter what your relationship status, here are the two big ideas again. One, your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. And two, life is short. Live like a traveler not like a settler. Let me pray with you. God in heaven, we are amazed by what you're doing in our church and we think of everybody here, no matter what their relationship status is, that you would help them cultivate godly, Christ-centered relationships that they can grow and become more like you. Father, we think of our singles, Today, as they look at 1 Corinthians 7, as they think about what does that mean for their next steps, that you would just make that obvious. That you would help them guard their hearts, protect their minds, help them cultivate relationships that will move them to become more like your son, Jesus. And Father, as we are maybe out of that stage of singleness, and maybe some of us are married and we're trying to think through what does that mean for us? Help us to lean into our marriage and not live as single people. You've given us a spouse to do life together with and pray that we would do so in such a way that would bring you glory and honor. Pray all this in Christ's name, amen.